We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, what's up everybody? Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. Joining me as always today are Alex and Tyler. Tyler, man, I love that name change for you today. How are you doing today, man? Uh, I'm doing just fine. I'm not going to explain it to anyone who does not know. For those <laughs> who are listening, my name on my YouTube handle, whatever, is I Need Interpreter No Good English. Uh, you can figure <laughs> out why. Uh, I'm doing very well. Um, if you can't tell, for those on YouTube, um, one of us has to stay up till or starting the recording at 11 p.m. at night. And if, I wonder yeah. if you can tell by our names who that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not going to put a whole lot of effort uh, into the name. <laughs> this is truly, truly an ungodly hour. Uh, first, Adam Silver has pushed back the finals for, oh, for so the last bad. like three years. And now oh, this, I mean, just just terrible. Tyler, why can't you get out of class all the time or, or work? You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> all right just uh hey man i gotta get paid somehow <laughs> yeah exactly and, and you know it, like i understand doing the games later on when they're in phoenix but it's like i mean this is 8 p.m star for milwaukee fans too so i, I don't really understand that um <laughs> but we got a fun show planned for you guys today we're gonna t- we're going to talk about all of the espn top 10 lists which have come out recently uh the, for those on our audio platforms my name today is respect for Corey lindsley uh, which we'll get into in a second because that had me heated. Um, and then we're also going to talk about the uh, secondary and do our deep dive position breakdown for that group as well. Um, so let's start with the uh, Justin Herbert talk. Oh, I'm sorry. I almost forgot. We also have a great interview that Alex and I did with the director. Uh, for those of you that know him on YouTube, we were really excited to do that collaboration. Uh, as always, the audio version is going to happen right after I stop talking. Video version is going to be happening in a separate video. So without further ado, here is the director. Hey, guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Guilty as Charged podcast. Very happy for this episode. This is a recurring guest for today. The director is joining us. How are you doing today, man? Kia ora, brothers. Good to see everybody. Good to be back here with the Guilty Boys. Is, can that be your guys' new name, the Guilty Boys? <laughs> I don't know. That, that's that's yeah. my name. For right you, now. Can, you can absolutely call us that, man, if you want to. So we're, <laughs> we're really excited about this. Like I said, 
Uh, this is the second time that we've done an episode with a director. Uh, I don't know if you remember our mock draft that we did last time, but I went back and looked on it and I, you know, we picked Rashawn Slater first. I think that was, that was obviously, you know, very common, uh, but it was fun looking back at Landon Dickerson, Quincy Roche and Anthony Schwartz, Alex's favorite draft crush. <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. that, you know, in your early days of dating, you know, that there's always that one chick that got away and you're like, ah, oh, man, what our future could have been Anthony Schwartz. <laughs> What kind of offense this Chargers could have been, Anthony Schwartz. But still, the Chargers like draft, pretty solid. I'm glad we got the Rashawn Slater pick, right? I mean, one out of, however, nine picks this last season. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Super happy about Asante Samuel, though. Landon Dickerson versus Asante Samuel. I think the Chargers got the good end of the bargain there. Yeah, I mean, I think they did. Uh, and getting Asante Samuel, and just I, I didn't think he would fall to 47 at all. And so that, that was really yeah. kind of the blessing in getting him and uh, not having to trade up for him. Absolutely Alex, shocking. Yeah, Alex gets the best of both worlds because the Eagles, his second favorite team, yeah. did take Landon <laughs> So uh, yeah. good times for Alex. But obviously fun, you know, looking back at mock drafts and, and how this offseason ha- has really taken shape for the Los Angeles Chargers. And, you know, unfortunately, we uh, we did not get to talk about free agency. We really focused on the draft, doing yep. some mock draft, things like that. Um, so I want to get your thoughts, you know, on, you know, you can talk about the draft. You can talk about free agency. Who you think for this team, you know, is like the most important addition on the roster that they made? I mean, like, it's a big question because the Chargers did do a lot this off season. And I actually was going to save this for a later segment, but I'm going to say that the biggest, I mean, it might be, you know, a little obvious to some people, but I think Corey Lindsley coming to this team, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people may not, uh, maybe didn't pay as much attention to it because they wanted more off season acquisitions. Cause yeah, we had the money to spend, but Corey Lindsley with Justin Herbert in this offense, especially in a circumstance where the whole offensive line has been, you know, rebuilt, you need a presence like Corey Lindsley in the center of that line to really help glue everything together. And I think specifically in Justin Herbert's sophomore season, that communication between the line is going to be very underrated. I think it's an underrated concept altogether, communication between quarterback and center. I think that's going to be vastly, vastly important for the Chargers and specifically this brand new offensive line in the season. So there's a lot of good things the Chargers did this offseason. I was very excited. There's some things that you know, maybe a tough pill to swallow, Melvin, Casey, you know, Hunter Henry. But uh, the things that they are doing gets me really excited because it's very obvious to me that this team is embracing change and really building around Justin Herbert. They're kind of all in on Justin Herbert. So, I mean, what was your guys' favorite move this offseason? Oh, I mean, I know Stevens would be Corey Lindsley. <laughs> that would probably be his favorite move this offseason. Um, I, I, you know, and I think that one is hard to argue with just because of how much of an upgrade Corey Lindsley is over Dan Feeney. I mean, no disrespect to Dan Feeney, but like, you know, anytime you have a chance to go get an all pro, you know, that kind of a, a presence on the line, you can do it. And the Chargers haven't had that at any point in the last 20 years. It's certainly been uh, a long time. So I think it's hard to disagree with that one. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I would also, you know, go with Rashawn Slater. Like that has to be the other addition that people talk about uh, and really get excited for just because this offensive line had to be, you know, completely burned to the ground and rebuilt. Um, I did want to get also your take on uh, the coaching staff. 
you know, because when Brandon Staley was hired in January, I feel like people were, you know, not so sure about what to think just because we all thought it was going to be Brian Dable and then it wasn't. Um, So what were your thoughts when he was hired at the time and what were sort of your thoughts uh, now? Yeah, the the Chargers definitely famous for those like under the radar signings, you know, they don't really let any of their like plans leak out into the universe too right. soon. So I felt like part of that was my fault. Of course, you know, we've got a good chargers channel going on over there. And I didn't really even mention uh, Brandon yeah. Staley that much on my channel. Uh, Cause I think back then it was all the Brian Dable train. Oh, the chargers, they want to bring in this guy. That's going to turn Justin Herbert into a superhuman to be a very exciting offense going into the future. In hiring Brandon Staley, though, my initial reaction was a little put off because he's one of those names that I read alongside a lot of other people that I maybe ignored. (laughs) That's on me. I went back and looked at a lot of his uh, background and the reason why the Chargers picked him up, and it really felt like this was the choice all along for them. And that's something that made me feel very comfortable was because, like, it does feel like the league is changing, right? And with that change comes these young, you know, uh, analytically minded head coaches. And I think that's something very exciting for football in general, especially the Chargers being able to snag one of those pieces early in Brandon Staley. And that got me really excited because the thought of the Chargers being able to make these decisions at such a deep level, like with the data and everything, they just hired that guy. What's his name? Alex something as a, a data analyst and stuff like that. That really tells me that they're getting into the nitty gritty of football. Right. And that makes me really excited about one, the potential for the team to make leaps in that direction, but two, maybe the lack or the, uh, the cleaning up of mistakes that we saw from the coaching staff last season. Because <laughs> there were some, some games and some days where I was like, I can't believe, I, I, I wouldn't do that in Madden. <laughs> and I'm watching it in pro, in pro football right now, right. of course, with you know Anthony Lynn, who I really do respect as a human, but there were some games that I was just like, man, throw it away. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> like, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. So I'm very excited about Brandon State. The defense should be vastly improved, obviously. Uh, and then offense, I think some people don't realize should improve as well with Brandon Staley having that perspective at quarterback. Uh, it's funny, though, that Anthony Lynn playing the position of running back had a thing that he really wanted to do with the Chargers. I think Ant- or uh, Brandon Staley might have a thing that he wants to do with the Chargers that pertains to the position that he played. And that's a very important position to have perspective on when you're, you know, maintaining that kind of offense. So, yeah, I'm excited. Brandon Staley sh- uh, should be an awesome, awesome addition to the Bolts. Yeah, you know, it's going to be very exciting to see how this uh, pans out. Are you going to a training camp, by the way, at all? Not this year. No, I'm going to hold down the floor here, make some content. I got family and stuff coming in town, but I'm very excited to see, you know, some of those camp battles and what Brandon Staley looks like. So far, his mic'd up sessions have been awesome. Yeah, man, it's going to be really exciting to to get out there. I'm I'm going to make it down for for a couple of days as well. You know, get my eyes on some of the players, some of the new schemes, and you know, just kind of learning about what this offense and defense are going to look like. Man, it's exciting to to really talk about a scheme change because I feel like with Philip Rivers, the scheme never really like changed. You know what I mean? Like there were just tweaks, but you know, this team is really going through an overhaul in every facet of the organization, which is just, you know, very exciting to sit back here and watch. And, and, you know, obviously it's all positivity right now, but I'm very, very excited to see how it unfolds. Yeah. I feel like, again, the, the embracing of change, the, the NFL is always changing. It's been changing since the day it was, you know, uh, spawned. And I feel like, especially right now, the formula in which to bring up a team, especially with a quarterback like Justin Herbert, not every day you stumble on a quarterback like mm-hmm. that. 
being able to embrace that change and recognize change is necessary to move into the next level with this quarterback is very important. So I'm excited that all these moves do point in that direction for me, even though me as a fan might not understand it to the deepest level. I understand the change that's happening in front of me and I support it 100 percent. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to thank uh, Patrick Mahomes for some uh, content <laughs> ideas that he was able to give us. Uh, what did you make of his? I don't know. I don't necessarily think it was like a slight about Justin Herbert, but uh, what did you make of his? You know, I'll see it when I believe it, which he said the same wrong. He was supposed to say, "I'll believe it when I see it." Um, in my, in my experience, ahead. when 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 you're throwing shade at somebody and it's it's a classic, you know, line like "haha," you know, and you get it wrong, it means somebody's <laughs> in your head, right? <laughs> I think Justin Herbert's probably in his head a little bit but at the base level of it i mean it's sports everybody's very competitive it was friendly banter i think when you yeah. really get down to it but at the same time the fact that he stumbled on it the fact that he had to bring it up at all that way it makes me feel like okay he's in his head at least at some level and i'm excited to see because I'm, I'm sure the entire nfl is, is interested outside the afc west of this thing between herbert mm -hmm. and mahomes and it's just going to continue to grow in the rivalry uh, the rivalry i i'm happy to say has has been sparked and so i'm excited to see that that classic you know rivalry uh that like we've seen in the past uh brady and 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 uh, peyton manning and stuff yeah. like that i mean it's funny you know you mentioned brady and peyton manning and brady's been able to play for so long that now he has a new rivalry with mahomes right? <laughs> he's, he's he's outlasted everyone and we'll be talking about brady in 10 years starting a rivalry with someone else you know oh, gosh. <laughs> it's just how long he's been going um but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't take it really to be like too much of a slight. Uh, I did think it was weird that he just messed up the phrase uh, just because Patrick Mahomes generally is like perfect, you know, NFL company yeah. man. And he doesn't usually start beef with people. Um, but yeah, no, but th that was still fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. Very excited to see, you know, getting the two of them together in, in the same division is going to be, you know, awesome tele television for the next few years. Um, I also want to talk about, you know, with the three of us, the uh, the quarterback rankings that came out with Justin Herbert. You know, Jeremy Fowler surveyed um, NFL execs, coaches, other players. Um, I don't know exactly how many people he surveyed, but uh, Justin Herbert clocked in at nine. Uh, what did you make of Herbert being a kind of a lock for a top 10 spot? I think Deshaun Watson was omitted from that, but um, people kind of talked about him as a lock to be a top 10 guy potentially you know move up some more obviously this year so what did you make of jeremy fowler's article and uh justin herbert checking in at number nine yeah i actually didn't read the article this is actually the first time I'm hearing that he clocked in at number nine and my initial go. reaction might be the same reaction people that first you know click on the article like what he's not number one in the nfl i get it all right <laughs> he was the best nfl rookie quarterback we've ever seen in the history of the league I think by a lot of people's opinions and uh, you some people might expect him to be a top five quarterback. I think top 10 is very respectable for your second yeah. year in the NFL. So that's very exciting to hear because again, the road is just starting for Justin Herbert. The journey has just begun. The, the whole mentality of building around him and, and, and uh, putting him up for success has just begun. So at number nine, I'm quite impressed. I would also like to know, Maybe the people that just came in before him, like at eight and seven, I think that'll give me a little bit of better perspective if you guys remember. Yeah, so the list from one to eight was Mahomes um, number one. Uh, you had Rogers number two, Brady number three, 
uh, who uh, Wilson number four, Allen number five, Stafford six, go. Dak seven, Lamar eight. Yeah, who was seven? And then, uh, uh, Dak and Dak then Lamar. Uh, and then number 10 was Kyler Murray. Or, okay. Sorry, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that makes sense. It makes sense. I think that list, of course, as uh, everything does, is going to be changing in the next season. And uh, I think the names in front of him are really going to have to step up to keep him at bay. So that's where I'm at right now. I think Herbert's uh, definitely got the potential this season to overtake at least a couple of names this year. I think, it, honestly, in the next 10 years or so, he could definitely be top five, top three uh, in the way of his development. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. go ahead, Alex. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, you know, I, it's all about, you know, his development and getting into that top five. But, you know, like you said, it's it's kind of the rookie year and the NFL is always like, you know, well, show me what you want to do next year. Right. Because we've seen quarterbacks have a great rookie year and then do, you know, what people are scared of for Herbert, which is the idea of a, of a sophomore slump. Right. Uh, even though I don't think that'll happen, you know, a lot of NFL executives and I think it was actually 60 executives that that Fowler pulled okay. uh, that he said. But. Um, yeah, they just want to see him do it again, right? And it's just like do it again and do it again until you're eventually top five by and considered them by the uh, GMs. Yeah, I mean the the thought of a sophomore slump for Justin Herbert. I get it. We've seen it happen. We've seen it happen recently. Uh, Baker Mayfield, right? I feel like a lot of people when they bring up the danger of a sophomore slump, it's Baker Mayfield. And I think, you know, honestly, you, you can't compare those two circumstances in that way because there is so much that's different surrounding it. There's a lot that's the same. And I'm not going to, you know, throw away the possibility of it. Certainly anything could happen. But I think more than likely, Justin Herbert is set up to improve on his from his NFL rookie season rather than decline in any way. And a lot of people, I think I, I, would, I read a post from you, Alex, that I really enjoyed about uh, uh, regression. There's there's both positive and negative regression. And I think uh, Justin Herbert is going to see some positive regression in some statistics, and he's going to have, you know, the, the offensive line to continue to improve analytically, to improve right. in his performance. And uh, with Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield had that issue with Freddie Kitchens, uh-huh. Um, I think the Chargers may have been in a similar situation if we went and got a Brian Dable. The uh, kitchen was pretty good at calling plays and stuff, but he wasn't really good at planning. I think that was a de- part of the detriment of Baker Mayfield and his sophomore slump. And then his entire team was hurt, I think. And that's something that honestly, yeah. you know, Justin Herbert doesn't have a lot of control over. But Baker found himself in a very tough situation in his sophomore season. Looking at Justin Herbert with the improved offensive line. Uh, not to mention a full off season with the ones. Did you guys see that art? I don't know if it's true. I can't. I can't speak for it. But I think somewhere out there I saw that Keenan Allen mentioned his first yeah. pass that he caught from Justin Herbert was in Week Two versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> what in the world? I mean, okay, that speaks to what the Chargers coaching staff was like last yeah. season, right? That's that's kind of <laughs> insane. But as well as the the kind of value that you're going to get out of a full <laughs> off season with Justin Herbert practicing with the ones practicing in a scheme that's been designed for him. Everything for Justin Herbert shouldn't have worked for Justin Herbert last year. Now he's got all the additional support. The Calvary has arrived. So to me, I feel like it's really obvious that Justin Herbert more than likely is going to see an improvement in his sophomore season, which improving on his season last year is going to be a very good season in the NFL for any quarterback. Yeah. You know, I think there are, absolutely some areas in which he will negatively regress like he's not going to be the best quarterback under pressure again because that that never happens like Breeze hasn't been the best quarterback under pressure in consecutive seasons like it's just such 
right. a you know up and down statistic. So that probably will come down, but he's going to be under pressure less frequently, hopefully, you know, with this new offensive line. So I, I think absolutely he can improve. He can take strides. Um, if he throws for, you know, 10 less yards per game, like who freaking cares? Like if he throws for 275 instead of 283, who cares? Like, I, I think that's a fine thing to, to look at. So it, it just, it, it's so funny to me, like this narrative. And we've talked about this on our show. Like people will mention like Justin Jefferson is like a top three player or a top five receiver or a top four in the 25 and under. And then it's like, well, Justin Herbert isn't because he might regress and he might hit a sophomore slump. It's like, well, well. where's the consistency here? <laughs> <laughs> Justin Herbert in my I think when it really comes down to at least for me and that because it's really hard as a Chargers YouTuber and a Chargers fan and all the Chargers titles and all that whatever to not be biased about Justin Herbert right. realistically where he's had in his sophomore season but also realistically I feel like Herbert's team got better where it matters most for quarterback Absolutely. and that's the offensive line I again I, I keep track of your guys's like posts and stuff like that and and I was reading one about what the most important like position in the offense is whether it's wide receiver offensive line one of you uh, mentioned that yeah it's going to be offense I think for the longest time it's been offensive line and I feel like yeah. especially today where it's even harder to find quality offensive linemen the Chargers were able to pull that off and for a quarterback, for Justin Herbert, that's the most important thing that you can improve on, especially considering what he was working with last year. And then also to add to that point, what I said with Corey Lindsley, that sort of leadership and experience that Corey Lindsley is going to bring to that line will also help Justin Herbert and his ability to communicate with that line and really learn how to work with that unit. So it's just, I'm, I'm very excited. It's tough, to, it's tough to, to, to hide my excitement for Justin Herbert with the offensive line. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all excited for Herbert. And it's funny you mentioned that, like, you read our posts and stuff. And yeah. I've always found that interesting because Tyler will message me like, hey, director mentioned one of your articles in a video. I'm like, what? <laughs> 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 it's like spit on my water and I go watch it. But, um, but yeah, man, I mean, you do a great job for the for the Chargers community and uh, and all that. And Likewise, you guys, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I take this as a compliment, okay? I, in real life, I love surrounding myself with eggheads, okay? Because in person, <laughs> In retrospect, I seem a little bit smarter, but I really do feel like sharing that sort of knowledge and perspective that you guys have with the Chargers fan base is always awesome, man. So, yeah, I appreciate what you guys do, too. You really help even me understand the game at a deeper level. Yeah, man, it's been a great journey for the three of us. And, um, you know, we, we interviewed Robert Mays a couple of weeks ago, which was awesome for the two of us. We're big fans of his podcast and and just learning about the history of the game and things like that. So uh, we'll get you out of here on this last question. Sure. What is a training camp position battle that you are most interested in, you know, watching unfold this year? Uh, do I go with the the obvious in, in Ode Abushi and in, in, in Hymas? I don't know. It's really tough. I really feel like I want to see what's going on at a deeper level at edge. I think that's the one position that has my attention the mm -hmm. most outside of defensive back is edge opposite Joey Bosa. I want to see what Chris Rump has to bring to the table, you know, maybe as a rotation player or something like that. I want to see Uchenna Nwosu step up with the ones and see what kind of production he puts up. So I'm going to say the position of edge opposite Joey Bosa. I want to see what the plan is over there, because obviously we're all sick of seeing Joey Bosa. Uh, maybe not reach his full potential on game day because yeah. there's so much being thrown at him on that side of the line. 
Uh, I'm sure the scheme's going to help that a lot with Brandon Staley. He's really good at disguising those sort of, you know, blitz packages and stuff like that. But I do feel like Chris Rumpf is someone I have my eye on. Uchenna Nawos is someone I have my eye on. And then Kyler Fackrell, too. I want to see what how they're going to be using him because I see a lot of potential in him. I've seen a lot of big plays out of him uh, with the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants and stuff like that. I yeah. do feel like uh, he's going to be someone that maybe flies under the radar that does contribute a lot this season, maybe the same way that Nick Vigil did last year. Yeah, and I actually, I want to get one more before we get you out. But oh, please, yeah. we, we did this with Robert Mays. Uh, so gun to your head record prediction. What would you go for the Chargers in 20? I'm not even going to hesitate. 11 and 6. Uh, first 18 weeks that season wasn't... of the NFL. I think 11 <laughs> and 6 for me. Like, it's really, uh, the, the schedule is really tough. And that's me being optimistic. Yeah. I'll say that. But I'm going to go with my heart in those, you know, gun to your head situations. I'm going to say 11 and six. But the Chargers, people do need to realize, are going to be in a very, very difficult situation in the first half of the year. The, the schedule mm -hmm. is pretty stiff. If the And in my prediction, this means the Chargers maybe make it out like three and three in the first six games. Yeah. You know, two and right. four, maybe there's still a possibility. But it's if they can find some success in the early part of the year, I think that they're going to be suited up for a very good playoff push, at least the chances of making the playoffs in the later half of the year. But a lot does depend on whether they step up to the plate during those really tough opponents in the first half of the year. Yeah, I mean, I remember we we counted up the games and I'm the pessimist on this show. And somehow I also predicted <laughs> 11 and six. So, ah, you, you, know, you know, so, yeah, you know, some Steven's people don't really like 11 and six. I get it, Chargers <laughs> fans. The first 17 and 0 season would be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> but 11 and six is super, super solid when it comes to the division. We're playing the schedule and honestly, yeah. the second year with Justin Herbert. So I think that'd be great. What about you, Steve? Uh, I happen to think it's 10 and seven is where it ends up. I think absolutely. It could be more than that. I think, you know, this team, you know, if Justin Herbert does make that MVP leap, then it's probably going to be more than even 11 and six. So, you know, I, I think this team has such a high ceiling with the star players that they have, but you know, the, the uh, lifelong Chargers fan of me always errs on the side of caution when it comes to predictions. So 10 and seven um, still super solid yeah. in retrospect, you know? You know, like you were saying, I think there is just this kind of expectation for the teams to win every single game. And like, obviously, that would be very happy. You know, I would be very happy if that happened. But, you know, this is the NFL. Like the more often than not, teams are around 500 that, you know, 11 and six would be an amazing, amazing season for the Chargers. And frankly, in my opinion, anything above 500 is a win. So if they're nine and eight, I still think that's a really good season for them. Awesome. Uh, what I mean, do you guys? Well, I have a question real quick for you guys. What do you think it's going to take record-wise for the Chargers to make it into the playoffs this season, considering all of the competition in the AFC West alone? I, yeah, I think it's going to be really hard. I mean, we've seen, you know, last year, every team who made the playoffs uh, in the wild card was 11-5, and five, right, in the AFC. Yeah. So, you know, that was the Colts, the Browns, and the uh, – who was it? Colts, Browns, Ravens was the, were the four, uh, three teams. So, yeah, I think it's just yeah. going to be really tough. Uh, to make it there so I don't think it'll be quite that tough this year as I think you could see you know more teams beating up on each other um, but yeah I think it'll at least take 10-9 wins maybe plus one because of the extra 17th game which I'm still getting used to <laughs> and oh, I, yeah. you know, <laughs> I remember you know saying 10 and 6 and 11 and 5 on the podcast and I'll probably still say it until we actually play the 17th game <laughs> Yeah, yeah man, that's I, around where I had it too. 10 and 6, 11 and 7, or 11 and 6, sorry. 
that is where <laughs> there I'm you go. it's gonna yeah there there it is there it's it's, it's happening you i can't stop this it. already it's going with it <laughs> to make the playoffs that's where i'm at too yeah i think it takes 10 wins minimum like I, yeah. I don't i don't think in the afc you can get into the playoffs at nine and eight i think it's got to get 10 wins minimum um because i think you look at you know obviously you have the four division winners which will get in and then you know you can talk about teams like the dolphins the steelers the ravens the Browns, whoever wins the AFC North, you know, is going to be such a fun division to watch. But, you know, the Patriots are going to be better this year as well. So I think it takes 10 wins, probably 11 to feel like comfortable. The Chargers are, are going to be in in that situation. So um, yeah. that's just where my head is at. But this has been awesome, man. We th- we can't thank you enough for taking the time out to join us again for part two. Uh, what kind of projects you got coming up in the next few weeks? Oh, just getting ready for the season, you know, up in the game a little bit in the visual department for a couple of different. I, one of my favorite things to do in the season that we kind of stumbled on last year was the live broadcast during the games. Of course, we can't show the actual game. What do you guys want me to drop two, three hundred thousand dollars to show the game on the channel? But what we do do is get together as Chargers fans and scream and holler. And, and we usually get a good number of people in there. And that kind of it makes me feel like I'm at a sports bar for the Chargers and there's just tons of people in there screaming. And that's something that I guess every sports fan kind of dreams about. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a really surreal experience for me. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. I'm really, really, really excited for that. Awesome, man. Well, Chargers fans, make sure and check him out on YouTube if you are not already doing so. Follow him on Twitter as well. And, and Director, man, we can't thank you enough. This has been great. We'll see you next time, man. Stay Take frosty. care, guys. Kia ora. All right, so let's get to the nitty-gritty about Justin Herbert this week. Obviously, in the news, there was the Patrick Mahomes thing. There was him being listed as a top-10 quarterback. So, Alex, I'll let you kind of take the reins here with the Justin Herbert conversation, really however you want, whether you want to talk about the Patrick Mahomes thing first or the ranking here. But why don't you kick us off first? Yeah, we can start with the Mahomes thing since I I don't think that was as big of a deal as people want to make it out to be. Um, you know, apparently Mahomes said he was getting chirped at on the course by uh, Chargers <laughs> fans and Raiders fans and Broncos fans, which doesn't surprise me, given that yeah. it's, it was uh, Lake Tahoe um, in terms of this golf tournament. So, you know, maybe he just felt the need to snap back. And it also sounded like he was just getting chirped at all the time because he, he messed up the phrase in response to the guy, uh, yeah. which is what people do when they're annoyed. Um, so, you know, I don't think there's actual, you know, any drama there. People want to act like he, you know, he's scared and stuff like that. Um, you know, also like to the Chargers fan that called him a bum. I mean, you know, he's not a bum. I mean, we, we could have fun with it, but you know, he's won his Super Bowl and his MVP. Now, yeah. you know, that being said, I, I will probably would probably call Tom Brady a bum in person. So, uh, you know, everyone has, <laughs> everyone has their own different tastes and hatred. Um, Okay, but going to the top 10 list specifically, um, I was a little bit surprised that he was in the top 10. I kind of expected him to clock in just outside uh, that kind of range, but it it didn't really surprise me either just because you could argue the talent and the tools that he has as well. And, you know, the guys that you would really kind of argue that would be in front of him you know, you could argue that, say, someone like Tannehill is a little bit older and that, you know, you have Herbert and Murray being the young guys with 
uh, the tools they have in both of one rookie of the year and are kind of on the upswing. So I didn't find much um, disagreeable there. <laughs> I know there might be some crazy Chargers fans like the director mentioned in our interview that would be like, he's got to be top five, but no, <laughs> he's pretty firmly, I think in the top 10. Um, personally, I would have probably nudged Kyler Murray ahead of him, but I don't think that's a big deal. And, you know, I guess the thing that's holding him in the top 10 is the omission of Deshaun Watson. But yeah. I think Justin Herbert, regardless, ha- has earned his spot in this tier of quarterbacks. I love that Patrick Mahomes messed up. I hate that stupid quarterback. Everyone, I, I, He's fun to watch, <laughs> I guess, but otherwise his personality irritates me. On that Thursday night game when, you know, the refs kept giving the Chiefs a bunch of first downs off of BS penalty calls, and he's like <laughs> pointing down the field. And from that moment, I just freaking hated the guy. Yeah, he's also very talented. But listen, Chiefs quarterbacks who beat up on the Chargers, I love Alex Smith. So it's not like I hate them. It just for some reason, Patrick Mahomes rubs me the, me the wrong way. Anyway, it's still funny that he messed up, but obviously it doesn't mean anything. It just, yeah. you mess up your words. I mess up my words on the podcast every single time. Uh, as far as the list goes, you know, going Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Wilson, Allen, Stafford, Dak, Lamar, Herbert, Murray, obviously no Watson. Like if we're including Watson, I would put Murray in front of Herbert and I would put Watson obviously in that list, which would bump out Herbert. And that's okay. And then, I mean, of course, it depends on how you look at it. Like, I took Herbert in our little fun mock thing, Who, which quarterback would you have and start your franchise with? I took Herbert first or, or second overall. Um, but I don't think this is quite how that list works. And so, right. you know, you're taking who they are right now and I guess maybe some projection in there, I suppose. And, um, like, I, I wouldn't put Herbert on this list, but that's not saying that he can't easily get into this list. Um, I could see him passing Lamar. I could, I could see him passing Murray. I could see him passing... Stafford, if he has an iffy year, you know, Josh Allen, maybe if he regresses, because especially because they're they're kind of considered very similar kind of players. So, you know, it's no shame in him not being in the top 10 just yet. I have no problem if he's there. Um, and he was there at nine, and that's great. And it also obviously shows that, you know, for all the criticism he gets from, you know, fans, and, and by fans, I mean Dolphins fans or anybody <laughs> who didn't select Herbert, you know, that he's not a winner. Well, clearly, you know, I think, I'm hoping because we're about to talk a list that was terrible, but, but I'm hoping that the executives and whoever that they pulled understands that, you know, Herbert is better than his record shows because, because he was, he really was. Yeah. You know, that's the thing like that we have to point out that I should have led with, you know, Jeremy Fowler, this is not his personal rankings, right? Like I saw some people were like, Jeremy Fowler's an idiot. It's like, this isn't him. Like he's, <laughs> he's pulling people within the league, you know, executives, coaches and players and things like that and i think a couple of scouts you mentioned um mm-hmm. so I, I was pretty surprised that he made the list that at least the top 10 because you know traditionally like all these coaches and, and executives like they like to see proven track records most like i mean chase young wasn't in the top 10 at the edge rusher spot justin jefferson wasn't in the oh, top really? 10 at the receiver spot so i when i didn't see chase young you know i i kind of th- thought like Okay, like they're they're probably not going to put Herbert in, you know, longevity thing and and track record. So, I was pretty surprised that he he made it. And obviously, not having Deshaun Watson like that that definitely helps. Um, but you know, I think you know the pecking order at the quarterback in the in the National Football League right now is pretty clear. Like, I think mm-hmm. you've got your tier one quarterbacks. Um, depending on, on where Watson stands, like if he plays, right, you've got Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Wilson, and then Watson would be in that tier as well. And then I think you've got the second-tier quarterbacks, you know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, 
Um, you could put Matthew Stafford, maybe Ryan Tannehill in there as well. And then you've kind of got like the up and comers, right? Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, potentially Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. And then you've got all the game managers after that. So I, I was okay. You know, I would have been okay if he were, you know, like in the, in the others category with like the caveat of like, we think he's going to be in the top 10 next year. I would have been fine with that, but him being at nine is fantastic. And I was very thrilled with that selection. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I was also just going to say I was a little bit surprised uh, that they kind of just bumped Stafford up four spots yeah. um, just because not because I don't think Stafford belongs there. But if we're just saying, oh, these are the top 10 quarterbacks, then like, why was Stafford this low when he was on the lines and this high when he was on the Rams? I understand the system argument there, but mm-hmm. I just feel like shouldn't it just be consistent regardless of which team is on i don't know but you, you can make an argument with the weapons and the coaching and also um all that kind of stuff but that was the only other thing that kind of surprised me in terms of the reception around the league uh, when it came to his stance kind of improving so you said he bumped up four spots was there a previous ranking yes fowler's been doing okay. these lists I, I think for the last three yeah. years uh something like that it, it didn't say specifically in the article but you know he he has last year's series pinned to his profile so you can you know kind of go look and compare but um i I just realized i forgot to mention dak prescott in that uh second tier as well so um interesting you know conversation for for justin herbert but obviously very happy that he made it the uh most disrespectful thing that i've ever seen in any of these rankings is Corey lindsley not making the top 10 and specifically being the fifth center listed in this article and i understand like a lot of the media members have such a hard time judging offensive linemen it's why you always see guys like duke manningweather and brandon thorne be so upset (laughs) about the all pro mobile voting because people just like they have no idea but it's never been easier to like properly judge offensive line play with all the advanced metrics that we have with pff and espn um, and obviously all these coaches and executives supposedly have access to the film. So uh, just going over things really quick, Corey Lindsley ranks first in every single category of those metrics, run blocking grade, pressures allowed, pass blocking efficiency, um, and run blocking win rate on ESPN. And he ranks fifth in pass block win rate. So the numbers and the film, in my opinion, all show the best center in the league. Now I could maybe make an... Un- I could maybe understand an argument for Frank Ragnow being listed over him at center. You know, Ragnow's a little more athletic, a little stronger in the run game, in my opinion, and he's younger, right? But Lindsley being the fifth center and not making the top 10 of the interior offensive line list is so, so terrible. Of all of these selections and all of these players who were left off or listed in the others category, Corey Lindsley not being in the top 10 is the worst one. And then the most annoying thing is like there, there was nothing positive about him in his notes. It was like, he should help Justin Herbert. It's like, are we serious? This is so disrespectful. Like, come on now. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely disrespectful. Like you already went down the list of metrics, but I don't understand because it's not like he's a low profile guy. Right. He played for green Bay. So, you know, everyone knows who this guy is. They pass plenty of times. They run plenty of times. Um, you know, he led the, the number one pass blocking efficiency line in the NFL. He had zero penalties last year. Like, yeah. I just don't, I don't understand. 
I could see like okay, putting like Hudson ahead of him because Hudson has had a longer stretch of sustained success. Yeah, fine. But again, like you said, like center five potentially, and not even making the list. Just as like that doesn't make any sense to me at all. I trust your film judgment. I have not watched a ton on him, but I trust your judgment there. And like like we said with um, was it Ed Rushers? Yeah, and also Aaron Donald. Even if you don't watch the film, how can you look at any of the <laughs> metrics and say like? Uh, fifth, yeah, third, at least like second or third, maybe. So, I, I guess playing devil's advocate, you know, he's not been again, like, he's not been consistently at this level. He did miss some games last season, and that's all I got. Like, I really don't know how else you would put him fit. I it, it blows my mind. And so, as much as I love the fact that Herbert made you know the top 10, I don't know what happened here with the offensive line, but like you said, it is very difficult to judge offensive linemen, I guess. Hey, well, I was actually just about to ask, like, you know, oh, are they kind of trying to project maybe for, like, a bit of a future decline this season, all that kind of stuff? But Rodney Hudson is 32, and Corey Lindsley's 29, about to be 30. So it's like, if that's your argument, then that's not really a thing in this list. So, yeah, I mean, just looking at all the metrics, being that last year was his first um, all-pro season, like, I just don't see how you could reject him. Uh, and every other season he's been in the league, like he's played at that level, despite, you know, not having that, you know, all pro or pro. Uh, I think he's had a couple Pro Bowl nominations or was last year his first. I think he's in a Pro Bowler twice. I think last year was his first. All yeah. Pro. OK. Yeah. So may- maybe that's kind of it in, in terms of just like looking at that, because. You know, it's weird contrasting it with the wide receiver list, which we'll talk about later, because the wide receiver list was a bunch of guys that maybe fans wouldn't, like, naturally love um, in a way, but guys that still found a way to get that production, right, which coaches and executives all value a lot. Um, So, you know, in this case, are we just saying that there's really no stats to kind of really say, you know, hey, Corey Lindsley is this kind of player, despite there being all these analytics at this point, you know, how many pressures he allowed, how many sacks he allowed, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, right? So it feels like maybe that's the case, but even in that case, that also applies to all other centers and guards. So it's just, it is perplexing. Yeah, so I'm just pulling up the the pro football focus stats right now. So Corey Lindsley had... He allowed four total pressures. Frank Ragno allowed nine. So that one makes sense, I guess. Uh, Ryan Kelly, who was ahead of him in the others category, allowed 12. Rodney Hudson allowed 14. Eric McCoy allowed 14. And McCoy and Hudson both missed a few games. And then mm-hmm. if we sort it to passing block, pass blocking efficiency, um, Corey Lindsley was first, Frank Ragno fourth, Ronnie Hudson fifth, Eric McCoy was tied for 10th, and then Ryan Kelly was tied for 16th. So I don't know. Like, obviously, everybody who listens to this podcast by now knows that I'm really passionate about offensive line play. <laughs> and like, just the fact that, you know, one of the most elite players in the league at his position was disrespected like this, it just really got me fired up. That being said, you know, Justin Herbert being in the top 10 and, and Keenan Allen, which we'll talk about now, being sixth. Like, I guess from a Chargers fandom standpoint, like, like that kind of balances itself out because I didn't think Keenan Allen would be that high, to be honest with you. 
you know, I know that he's got a lot of respect for his route running, but, you know, he still carries this, you know, weird tag that he, you know, doesn't, he's not able to stay healthy and he didn't have a thousand yards last year. So I wasn't expecting him to be at six. I was maybe expecting him to maybe squeak in or potentially even be in the others category. So, um, you know, that really shows, you know, the respect around the league that people have for Keenan Allen, which obviously is, is a great thing for us to talk about. And it's a great thing for the chargers to have that kind of player. Yeah, I, I think that the big disconnect, I think, between the fans and what NFL personnel think is that, you know, we can talk about health and all that stuff, but I, I really think it just comes down to Keenan Allen is not the most exciting player to watch, right? He's yeah. a bit of a technician. You know, last year was the fewest yards per attempt, uh, I think, of his kind of recent career, right? Yeah. He's not a Justin Jefferson, so to say where he's just going to burn you and then, you know, one move and he's gone, right? Um, aside from that, you know, great play that started that Patriots playoff game where he just deked Stephon Gilmore out of his cleats and then was in the end zone, which is fun. Yeah. Um, but, you know, other than that, you know, he has never been that kind of a receiver. Um, and so I think that's been kind of the disconnect with fans. But, you know, he still gets to the production either way, right? He gets you to that 100 reception, 1,000 yards kind of year um, and is really one of the most technically sound of them with his route running ability. Uh, and I really couldn't complain about much stuff on the top 10 list as a whole. Uh, I think everyone was pretty deserving of being there. I have my hesitance with Mike Evans because I think he's kind of overrated. Um, I've never, <laughs> never been the biggest fan of Mike Evans, but I guess, you know, with the production, you can make the case that he's top 10. I personally would still choose Godwin over him on that team. Uh, so, but yeah, to, to me, there wasn't a whole lot to argue. It's just, Hey, these guys get the production and we're going to choose the 10 that we like the most. You can make cases for other people as, as we saw the Minnesota Vikings, uh, tried to make the case for Justin Jefferson being a top five receiver over Julio Jones and Devontae Adams and all those guys, which was crazy. Um, so I, I would not go that far, even for Keenan Allen. Um, yeah. but Keenan Allen clocking in at six, uh, I think, is the right call. Uh, I was a little bit surprised, but also, I, yeah, I, I do think there's always been that disconnect because the players have always you know, complimented Keenan Allen's game too, including Devontae Adams. Yeah, and that's why I don't think when it gets brought up, you know, is Keenan Allen one of the most underrated receivers in the league? Like, I don't really don't think he is. Like, I think people generally that kind of know football appreciate him quite a bit. And anyone who, uh, fans that kind of aren't Chargers fans and maybe don't play fantasy football, I guess, like, they're like, eh, you know, he, he's all right. But, uh, okay, uh, Keenan Allen being sixth, I he's a guy that I would put in the top ten, but I don't think he could sniff the top five. Like, for some reason, there's just this big jump to get in that top five that I just yeah. don't think he has done yet. Now, I'm not forgetting who his coaches were. I'm not forgetting about, you know, Rivers being Chuck Ball in 2019 and all the stuff that happened in the last few years and whatever. But he needs those games, those takeover games against either, you know, the big-time opponents or really good defenses. And last year he didn't really do that. You know, the year before, I think he had a couple of, of, of bigger games against some good defenses. He doesn't consistently have like that explosion. Did Alex almost die? On the no, I just dropped my phone because it's 11.30. Man, my take was that good. He dropped it like it was hot. 
Um, uh, kill me. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I, I want to see bigger games out of him, and hopefully that like this is the season yeah. for that to happen. But he just doesn't like that. Him. Everyone's like, oh, maybe he can be like a top five guy. Not everyone. Some Chargers fans really want to put him in the top five. I just can't put him there yet. I really want to. Yeah. He needs those bigger games. Well, I think the bigger games, and I think you know one of the biggest issues with when he was obviously playing with Philip Rivers is that Philip Rivers would like to spread the ball around. And one game, it might be a Keenan Allen game. You know, like I remember attending the Texans game in 2019 where Keenan had, you know, like 12 (laughs) catches and 15 targets. And then Mm -hmm. the next game, it was like, it was Austin Eckler's turn. Austin Eckler had, you know, 19 targets and, and 15 catches or whatever. So that, that, I, that I have always felt like kind of hurt his reputation and yeah. the touchdown thing, right? Like, you know, he's he's not a big touchdown guy. And so, you know, I think everybody respects his route running ability at this point. Uh, Brian Baldinger had him listed in his top three in, in terms of route running, which was fun to see today. But I just think people look at him as kind of a player with a limited ceiling because he, like Tyler was saying, he doesn't have the explosive plays and he doesn't have the touchdowns. Like you look at everybody else on this list in the top 10, let me pull it up to make sure I'm not missing anybody um really quickly but you know i think you have like the top five from this from this uh this current season right you've got sorry i'm i'm stalling while i pull it up all right here we go okay Devonte adams number one deandre hopkins two stefan diggs three tyree kill four five julio jones like we've seen all of those players have you know 200 yards and two touchdowns on a consistent basis and you know they're scoring 10 plus touchdowns pretty much every season and then you've got Keenan. I feel like that's kind of like where the tier break starts. Like with Keenan, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, DK Metcalf, uh, AJ Brown is in the 10. And you've got Kevin Reedley and some Jefferson after that. So, you know, we could potentially be looking at, you know, Keenan Allen dropping out of the top 10 next year with all those young guys if they have these big seasons. So not that it matters to Keenan Allen, but, you know, he, he's got to be able to kind of, make that leap like Tyler was saying if he wants to stick in the in the top six to eight range I would say the the, the thing with Keenan Allen's game is that he's kind of formatted to the point where I feel like he has a pretty high floor um I yeah. don't know if he'll ever climb into the top five also because of his age and also because of his play style like the fact that he does have a four seven forty like I, I don't yeah. know if he's ever going to have quite that dynamic enough like athleticism to really be that but I also don't think that you know if if he is a guy that's going to have you know 100 receptions a thousand plus yards which you know he's been doing like clockwork the last few years I just don't think that that's going to ever really be lower than like top 15 in the league um right but yeah so I, I think that that's just kind of the case and you know if we're going to talk about consistency and like doing that, you, you know, I, I looked at Mike Evans pro football reference and I have to rant about this, but he had <laughs> I, two, I was waiting for it. He, he had two games in the first six where he had two yards and he had two games where he had a hundred yards. I was just like, yeah. I, well, there was that one of those games that he had two yards. He had two touchdowns though. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. And people have always said, like, oh, well, you know, it was a Jameis issue, and he gets a better quarterback, and it's the same thing. You know, like, he's yeah. just super hit or miss, in my opinion. I don't know. I, I've never been a fan of his route running. 
Uh, I really just think that he's, you know, I don't know, modern day Vincent Jackson. Like, I, I don't think he's ever been much better than that personally. But, um, yeah, so <laughs> that's my rant about Mike Evans. And I promise I will not slander him again. <laughs> well, like, to your point, I, I feel like he's just like a more heavily targeted Mike Williams. Like, you know, he's yeah. just a jump ball guy, big physical player. And against certain teams, like, that works. But for whatever reason, whenever he plays other physical corners, then he gets shut down. Like, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, has carried this, like, top 10 reputation simply for the fact that he shuts down Mike <laughs> Evans. And it's like, yeah. well, there's 14 other games that they play, you guys. <laughs> yeah, and, like, that's the thing from uh, Mike Williams is just, like, if you, you know, increase your route running or make your route running better just a little bit, then you can be a top 15 or top 10 receiver, which is kind of like the crazy, crazy thing about it. Um, so, yeah, that that's just my thought is that I don't think, I guess the gap between like the top 30 guys in the league and the top 15, top 10, it really isn't that much in terms of skill set. Yeah. So the last one is obviously the running back list. Um, Austin Eckler was not listed in any capacity. Uh, frankly, I'm not super surprised because of the missed games last year. I think if he had had a full season, he probably would have made the list. But, um, you know, a lot of people were, were pretty upset that Austin Eckler didn't even make the others category list. But uh, like I said, I, I just think that's an injury thing. I think that, you know, if he had played even, you know, 12, 14 games, then he would have made the list. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think like, would Darren Sproles, I, mean, I think Eckler has better you know, numbers than Darren Sproles, but like, would the Darren Sproles have made like a top 10 list or, or with the others list? Like, I don't really think so. And so, yeah, Eckler not being there is completely fine with me. Right. And I think that's also about like, do people think of Austin Eckler as a running back? Right. Like, I don't no. know, like, if we get into that question, but we talked about him lining up, lining up in the slot and lining up <laughs> all of his. <laughs> Lining up in the slot and lining up all over the field. Um, and so I, I think that that's interesting. Just, you know, I don't know if he's considered the same way that like Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, like, does he really play the same position uh, yeah. as those kind of guys? But yeah, so uh, I, I don't think either way that he deserved to make a top 10 list. I, I don't know how you could include Austin Eckler in that, especially given the games missed last year. But you know, if he does wind up playing all 17 games this year, uh, then I think that he has a chance to make it, at least if he accumulates enough uh, receiving yards like he did in 2019. Alec, I'm really surprised that you just glossed over an Urban Meyer joke like that. <laughs> I didn't hear the joke, actually. Um, so what was okay. the joke? <laughs> uh, you said most people don't view or something view Austin Eckler as a running back. And I said, Urban Meyer wouldn't because of Travis Etienne. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't hear the joke at all. Explaining the joke makes it funnier. Yeah. <laughs> Way funnier. All right. So we'll, we'll wrap up this conversation with this question, which I think is super interesting. If you had to pick a player on the Chargers roster that did not make one of these lists to make the list next year, who would you pick and why? Mm. So we're uh, talking anyway. wide receiver, running back, or oh, just so, in general. so any list, it can be any list, any of the defensive positions, any of the offensive positions, <laughs> just someone that did not make the list. So you 
Mr. Adderley, Michael Davis, Kenneth Murray, Jerry Tillery, Mike Williams, Eckler, yeah. um, Rashawn Slater, like anyone of, of those players. I'll say Davis um, just because I, because of his skill set and the way that he can improve. I think that that's kind of the most dangerous one out of those guys. Um, I think you can make an argument for Slater uh, cracking that as maybe like the, you know, Justin Herbert of next year, where it's just like, hey, this guy burst onto the scene. Um, but yeah, I think I would go with Michael Davis just because I think Brandon Staley's scheme will suit him well. And I think he showed that he can go against top receivers uh, at a pretty high level last year, including Stefan Diggs. I'm going to go with Jerry Tillery, and I don't know why wow. that's the one that I thought of. Okay, here's why. Uh, I can't name more than five other defensive tackles that would have made this list. Like, if you asked me to make a list of <laughs> 10 defensive tackles, I would have just started naming, like, Cortez Brown. I don't know <laughs> other defensive tackles. So, to me, like, a former first-round pick in this defense is supposed to be really good, a high-profile defense. He could take that next step. Like, I think Steven's really hot behind him taking that next step. Sure, why not? Because honestly, I like if I were making this list, I couldn't name enough defensive tackles. So if he has a great breakout season, yeah, I'd probably throw him on my list. Well, and I think that's an interesting one because defensive tackles got a lot of older guys that have mm. been consistently making the list. Like Fletcher Cox has been a staple on that list for like 12 years, it feels like. Um, so I mean that's certainly a possibility. I'm really intrigued by the Michael Davis selection. I I, I was gonna take the obvious one in Kenneth Murray. But I, I could definitely see a world in which Michael Davis makes that leap because, you know, we've we've all heard, you know, the the tools aspect. And, you know, we're going to talk about the secondary. So maybe this is kind of our segue here. But I, I'm so curious to see how high Michael Davis can climb because mm-hmm. he made such a big, you know, such big strides last season. And now he's getting a scheme that fits him better. He's getting, you know, maybe not – specifically better positional coaching you know i think you know uh yeah on my list was a fantastic position coach but you mm-hmm. know certainly going to get a better defensive coordinator and a better scheme that could play to his skill sets so i i think alex you know got the ball rolling here and i think i would choose michael davis for that spot as well Oh, Which sweet. is crazy to talk about out loud, like considering we were, you know, talking about Brandon Faison starting over him last summer. Which, oh man, good times. But we we did really well last summer. <laughs> stuff and Faison starting over Davis. We did a really good job projecting. Thanks everyone for subscribing. I'm sure we'll do an even better job, and by that I mean worse this year. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about this secondary. I, I'm gonna try not to talk about injuries and death as much as for this position. Um, which I, I think the Michael Davis, you know, can he take another breakout step it is a very interesting topic. I know Nasir Adderley is a very popular breakout selection for this team as well. Um, so I guess you know who really is going to step up and be you know a high level playmaker alongside Derwin James if he's able to stay healthy so who's going to be that guy is it going to be Chris Harris is Chris Harris going to come back and have a career renaissance season or or is Michael Davis going to take that next step um so I guess that's my biggest question mark is is who's really going to establish themselves as a high level potentially elite kind of playmaker for this defense yeah I would probably say that 
I don't know if Chris Harris is going to have a renaissance, um, but I do think he can be, you know, what he was, you know, in the later years in Denver, particularly as a slot corner, not he was on the outside. Um, but I think he can get back to that for sure. Um, and if you made me pick kind of one of the young guys between Adderley and Samuel and all those guys that are going to be a playmaker and, and step up, I'd probably go with Samuel. Um, I, I do kind of still need to see it from Adderley. And I think I really like that, you know, we talk about Harris and Samuel working uh, at safety a little bit and working all over the field. I just think that would play really well uh, in Brandon Staley's defense. And it doesn't seem from what we saw with the Rams last year that it's actually too much for uh, for rookies to handle. Like Darius Williams had an awesome season. Uh, and so I, I think that, you know, Asante Samuel can kind of pick up, you know, where he left off last year. But in a more complicated kind of versatile scheme. So um, those would kind of be my two guys. But yeah, my my question is just movement uh, and rotations when it comes to this team, just kind of seeing who, who plays where. And I also expect it to be a lot less rigid than the Bradley scheme, which was just, right. you know, I mean, quite frankly, you know, CB1 covers wide receiver one and CB2 covers wide receiver two and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. um that's that's sort of what it was and that's what a lot of nfl teams do but i think when you bring in somebody like brandon staley who's going to be kind of changing that um that'll be interesting and that and that plays into the potential of why i think somebody like davis could have a breakout year but it may also be harder and more complicated so um yeah i I would just say the movement and and where guys start because i don't think you'll just see the normal, you know, Davis CB1, Samuel CB2, and, you know, Harris slot corner that, like, Chargers fans and, you know, NFL fans have kind of gotten used to. I, I do think it'll be more complicated than that, and you'll see them, you know, move around to safety, move back to corner, you know, move all over the field. Uh, and so, plus you have Derwin and Nasir, likely in those two high uh, safety sets, uh, you know, a, with the potential of a web or a Gilman coming in at times. So, yeah, I think it's just kind of the rotations and movement at this point. Yeah, I know you hit it definitely right there. This is such an interesting part, and I think probably the most interesting group uh, of, of the offense or defense, in my opinion, because of Brandon Staley. And Arjun just did a great yeah. video on the on what makes, you know, the corner group the most important part of the defense. And or maybe it was secondary. No, I can't remember. Uh, but it's such an interesting rotation that's potentially going to happen. When Harris mentioned, you know, that him and Samuel Jr. they're going to play more safety. Like, what is what is that going to look like? Is that out of necessity? Yeah. Is that out of preparation because you know that Turbin James is probably going down, or is that something that you're going to work on throughout the, the depending on your matchups, depending on who's in front of you? Uh, who knows? Um, I would like to know. One of the reasons that I didn't want Staley and the Chargers to draft a corner in the first round is because, A, they needed a tackle, obviously. But, B, you know, Staley, with the guys he had last year with the Rams, granted he didn't draft any of them, not that he drafted anyone anyway, but it wasn't like, you know, they were there before he got there. And so for him to take a bunch of guys in the fifth, sixth, a bunch of undrafted free agent guys and turn them into the number one defense in the NFL, granted they had Ramsey and Donald, you know, can he do that again with the Chargers and how fast can he do it? Because it's not like they went out and did a bunch in the secondary to acquire guys. They just, you know, kind of had a couple of pieces, but mostly kept the group intact and lost Casey Hayward, lost Rayshon Jenkins, 
And he seems, Staley seems very confident that he can maximize this secondary based on what they have. Now, is it overconfidence? Are they just you know, saying great things about them, but they're going to really retool it in 2022? I don't know. Either way, I'll be patient, but I, I would still, I can't wait to see what Staley's going to do with them because he really seems to get the most out of guys who aren't considered, you know, high-end talents. And, you know, Miles kind of did that as a, as, a, um, as a position coach for a long time, but now the coordinator is to oversee all of it. And, you know, we'll see. I, I think I'm hoping it happens quickly. You know, I'm hoping they can get after Ryan Fitzpatrick pretty early, but I'll be yeah. patient too. Well, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is, you know, either going to have an awesome, awesome, like 404 touchdown game against the Chargers, <laughs> or he's going to throw for 200 and three or four interceptions. So it yeah. could be a really great start for the secondary right off the bat for sure. Um, I- I'm curious to see who's going to win that third safety spot because, you know, I am not like 100% confident that this person will play a ton. But I, I think based off of what, you know, I've kind of studied and, and watched specifically last year is that whoever is the third safety is going to be on the field quite a lot, like 30 snaps <laughs> a game kind of player. And, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, them not addressing the safety position earlier was, you know, a show of confidence for Nasir Adderley and Derwin James. And, but it was also a show of confidence in potentially in Alohi Gilman and Mark Webb. And being able to develop those kind of players into, you know, starting level players. And, you know, Mark Webb, I think it, I'm very intrigued by, like, his physical frame is is kind of like a safety linebacker hybrid type of player. So, you know, I can definitely see him playing some star and money for this team. But, you know, who's going to be that third safety? And when that third safety comes on the field, like, is that person in the box or is Derwin James in the box or, you know, what kind of like Alex was saying, like, what's the rotation at safety? So that's definitely something I'm really excited to, you know, get my eyes on and, and see, you know, who is going to step up between Mark Webb and Alohi Gilman. I would also say that I, th- I thought it might've been more of a show of confidence in Mark Webb than it was in Alohi Gilman. Um, just because it seems like the Chargers were like, hey, you know, we can wait until the sixth or seventh round because we know this guy is going to be there, right? Um, So if they feel that confident and to the point where they didn't draft a guy in the fifth or sixth round, you know, or the fourth round like a lot of people wanted, then I do think there is kind of maybe a bit of a hot seat when it comes to Alohi Gilman. I think either way, whether he's the third safety, uh, I mean, he's going to have to play defense, obviously, but, you know, he may be kind of limited to just that special teams role if they really do like Mark Webb. Um, yeah. So that's that's the kind of thing that I thought was, you know, plus also drafted by the old regime. So, uh, you know, I don't really know what the new staff thinks of Gilman, but I do know what they think of Webb based on, you know, Brandon Staley kind of waxing poetic about him. Uh, so that was kind of the thing I thought is, is Gilman a little bit on the hot seat? I don't know. I guess. I think that Mark Webb thing is kind of Homerism, man. Like they like, they had confidence in him. Like they were like, this is the last pick. You know, they didn't do anything in free <laughs> yeah, agency no, and they absolutely. waited the entire draft and like, aha, Mark <laughs> Webb is there. Like, okay. So let's say that they, <laughs> they were confident. If they were confident, okay. If you knew that the, this group had issues and they had injury issues as early as last season, and they waited a long time because they knew this guy was going to be there on late day three. Why can't we say the same thing about Larry Roundtree then, Alex? 
Oh, no. I mean, yeah, I think that's a fair point. The only thing I would say is that somebody like Mark Webb and Lee Gilman would, are more likely to have to play significant roles on defense, right? Like, I mean, Larry Roundtree is likely either going to play special teams or, you know, he'll get, like, a couple carries, you know? Like, I, I don't think he'll get more than that because you already have Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly ahead of him on the depth chart. Um you know, I'm not saying that they waited. <laughs> they just specifically waited. You know, all three days of the draft. Uh, you know, yeah. oh man, it's the second round. Well, we gotta <laughs> wait for that Mark Webb guy. Um, <laughs> I don't think it, it worked like that. But um, I, I do think that there was some confidence that they had. It was like, okay, you know, if we have these two or three guys that we like in round six, round seven, somewhere around there. Um, keep in mind, Alohi Gilman was drafted, you know, in the sixth round too, right? It's not yeah. like he was necessarily a day two pick that Mark Webb will be competing with. Um, so plus, I mean, Alohi Gilman was barely on draft boards, you know, much less, you know, coming out of college. So um, I, I'm not sure what the new staff thinks of him. I, I'm not saying it really puts a lot pressure on Alohi Gilman, but I do think considering he didn't really play a lot of snaps last year and it was more of a special teams role and plus they're bringing this guy in that they drafted you know that's kind of mm-hmm. the thing that i see so i guess you know kind of diving in a little bit deeper there is i can't imagine they they would cut alohi gilman right no 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 i i, I don't think so um but you know if you i mean you just asked who's going to be safety three and yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if it's an, an absolute certainty that it's going to be uh, Gilman in that case. I think it could be a good chance that it's Webb. Yeah. yeah you're just saying hot seat for the job, not necessarily the roster. Yeah, yeah. And no, I, yeah. I think, well, he has to make the roster because the secondary is, is pretty thin. I know Steven yeah. just said, well, we won't talk about depth and, you know, <laughs> for, the, for the 48th time. But, you know, it is pretty thin. So I, he has to make the team. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think there's a way that they won't carry four safeties. Also, just because Tom Pelasco doesn't tend to like throw out draft picks after one year. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I guess my last question is, is there going to be a surprise roster make from this group? Because I know Tyler is, is pretty, high, pretty high <laughs> on uh, a certain safety from Charlotte. But you know, I I I I haven't watched him. I, I probably should, but you know, is maybe you know like this talk about Asante Samuel Jr. and Chris Harris playing a little more safety. Maybe that lends you know a, a larger hand towards like a John Brannon or a Dante Vaughn making the mm-hmm. roster as well, and then you know kind of loading up on corners instead of safeties. So I mean, Tyler, you can make your case for Ben DeLuca making the roster here and now. Um, that's just kind of my last question is like, who is the surprise roster or who is the player that could surprise and make this roster? Maybe it's Ben DeLuca. Maybe it's someone else. Yeah. My Ben DeLuca case was mostly just because it's not, I don't think it's going to be on Bamiga because the, like, why would you need another linebacker who really doesn't seem like he can cover? Whereas, yeah. you know, yeah. Okay. So if you can have, Corners that can play some safety, that's great. Maybe you don't need us a safety, but also DeLuca is a safety who can also play some corner. Not really outside corner, but he does have that versatility. So he can play the slot for sure. Yeah, definitely. So I think that kind of in, in the same vein works out for him. Uh, but they just don't have bodies. They have nobody else. Like if you're right. talking about surprise guys to make the roster, like, yeah, it could be DeLuca. It could also just be freaking, you know, uh, Jalen Watkins when they decide to sign him. Yeah. Because I, I can't, like, 
they're really going to go into the preseason. I, listen, I, like I said, I have all the faith in the world in Staley to develop these guys, but I just how can you how can you actually feel confident in the group that you have behind Drew and James? Even if you kind of like Nasir Ali, can you, like how confident can you really be? Yeah, like I'm still surprised. You know, obviously they're not going to sign Richard Sherman, but I'm, I'm still very surprised that they have not signed another safety yet. So yes. I don't know. I have a question, and we can go back to your question too, sort of. But okay, Derwin James goes down. Who are you playing at strong safety? Is it Gilman? Is it Webb? Or are you doing something crazy with like Kaiser White? I think we fast forward to next season. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I would play. I would play Webb. I would play Webb at strong safety. I think he's got the body and the makeup to do better than Alohi Gilman. I think Alohi Gilman. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's tough for me to be like optimistic about Alohi Gilman because I didn't, after they drafted him, I just, I, I didn't really like what I saw on film. Um, you know, just saw kind of a player that, that really played out of control that really wasn't, you know, good in technique and wasn't a great athlete. Um, you know, but he, he plays hard and he has a really high motor. And so I, I certainly understand taking a shot on him. Um, but I, I would play Mark Webb there if it were me. Um, or I would go sign Jaleel Adai ducks for cover. Uh, <laughs> I'm down. But, well, I mean, at that point, they would have to sign like a Jaleel Adai or, yeah. you know, a Rayshon Jenkins, who, whoever it might be. Like, you would just need a body at that point. Like, well, Rayshon's in Jacksonville. Oh, I meant, uh, Jalen Watkins. J- Jalen Watkins. I get Jalen Rayshon. I, I get those two confused all the time. Um, but yeah, no, I think you would have to sign one of those two at that yeah. point. It definitely is really surprising. Like, you watch the Rams play even like the first game and you see four or five safeties on the field, right? Like you have Jordan Fuller, you have Caleb Rapp and you have Terrell Burgess and you have John Johnson, all four are on the field at the same time. And so like naturally, like all of us were just like, Oh, like they're going to, you know, take a safety higher, maybe add a safety and free agency, like load up on safeties and they have a lot of corners. And so, you know, maybe that answer is putting Chris Harris back at safety or doing some other things. But, you know, like it, it is really surprising that your fifth safety has been an undrafted safety in from from Charlotte and your fourth safety is either a seventh round pick from Georgia or a sixth round pick from Notre Dame. Like it, it's definitely a head scratcher still to this day, even though he's Brandon Staley and company have really expe- expressed some confidence in this group. But yeah, it's just it, it's a little weird for me. It's, but even like the Bears and studying them, who always had two linebackers on the field, like they always had three safeties or three corners on the field, and so it, it, it still is weird to me that you know we have no idea who's the third safety going to be, and we have no idea what to expect from the second safety, and, and yeah, it, it's just weird. The only name that I'll throw out there with we were talking about Dante Vaughn and and sort of those guys. Kevin Hall uh, kind of wouldn't shock me if he made the roster um, just because yeah. this coaching staff did pick him up on waivers. Um, and, you know, I was actually reading uh, from Michael Peterson. He actually does have a bunch of pass breakups that he had in college. And we know that kind of ball hawkishness or like kind of getting at the ball is sort of a trait uh, in Brandon Staley defenses. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't predict him to make the roster over Tavon Campbell, but it wouldn't shock me if he really made the back end of it. Maybe as like that CB six 
or you know he was one of the first guys off the off the practice squad right um so that's kind of a name that wouldn't surprise me just kind of looking at Dante Vaughn and all the other guys there but we'll also get a much better idea of that in the preseason oh yeah definitely it feels like okay so every year with the Chargers it's always been the offensive line okay they need offensive line help why did you neglect the offensive line but we feel good about our offensive line of course the fans know that's bullshit and then the offensive line does terribly what is going like I can't figure out, like, I'm trying to put a legitimate reason, unless they, like, are really, really think that they can make the most out of this this group. And I guess they have to. Like, why would you not, like, when you need your secondary to make this defense work, why did they not invest more? I, I are, are we not, like, are we assuming that the secondary is going to have a bigger role than we think they do? Like, that's, that's really stupid. But, like, okay. Our linebackers going to have a bigger role is what I'm trying to say. Like, are we kind of just thinking that it's always going to be like what Staley did with the Rams? You know, Robert Gates talked about they have to adapt, and they, he asked Staley has to adapt with the team that he has. Yeah, did they not really go? Like, they drafted a, a linebacker before they drafted a safety. Is there a chance that they are actually like we're thinking of this like incorrectly, if you will? Like, we're, we think it's going to be so secondary driven, and I suppose in some respect, with Derwin James. And this year, Adelaide and Harris and Davis, it will be. But, like, do they, are they not worrying as much because of they, they feel like the linebackers are going to play a bigger role? Or are we are they just overlooking this, this position group? I think it's kind of both, honestly. Like, I, I think, you know, we, we watched so much of the Rams' defense last year, and, you know, it, it was a personnel thing. Like, they didn't have the kind of linebackers that, you mm-hmm. know – um that they had in Chicago when he was there or maybe even in Denver with Josie Jewell and and those guys but it it, I think it we are maybe overthinking a little bit and maybe you know Drew Tranquil and and Kenneth Murray are like never going to come off the field but I I still think you would need more than four safeties just for for depth purposes especially when you have a guy like Derwin James who hasn't been able to stay healthy he's your Adderley hasn't really proven much so Sure. Like, yeah, it's totally possible that we're overthinking things and that the safeties are not as important as we think they are. But like, uh, even if that's the case, even if you're only going to have two on the field at the same time, like it, it just, it doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't kind of, you know, take a, a you know, a, a better shot at, you know, landing a potential depth piece, potential starter kind of safety, even if you are confident, in you know overcompensating for your lack of depth i i was just kind of wondering i feel like that they don't feel like they can play around a derwin james injury if it happens right like if if it does come to that scenario maybe you're just kind of boned either way like yeah trevin merrick would be nice if they drafted him in the second round but then that means that you don't have Asante Samuel, and then that means, okay, well, now Derwin James is hurt, so we're throwing Trevin Merrick out there because like, they're main safety. Um, yeah. I don't know. I know. I think that Derwin James is just such a huge player. We talked about this when Daniel Popper made the list, but, like, yeah, I mean, he's the second most important player, and there's no one that you can really replace him with. So I do think safety depth is concerning. 
Um, and you can definitely, if they wanted to re-sign Jaleel Adai or Jalen Watkins or, uh, you know, any of the guys that we talk about tomorrow, like, yeah, they, they could do that or sign somebody else just for depth. But really every move that you're making in response to an injury is reactive. And Derwin being that key cog in there, there's not really a reactive move you can make just because of how important he is, right? <laughs> You know, it would be like last year if we tried to, you know, replace Joey Bosa with Jerry Tillery on the end, for example. Um, you know, that that would be hard. Um, yeah. That would be. Yeah, <laughs> that would be really difficult. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's just what I think it is. There, there's no real way to replace Derwin. So I feel like their right. attitude is, well, Derwin's going to stay healthy and we're going to have two safeties on at the same time. So that's just kind of going to have to be what it is. Um, if Derwin gets hurt, then you adjust to it and try to adjust to it then. But I don't think there's much you can do beforehand, I guess. Not that I'm excusing them for not drafting safety earlier. I'm just saying that's that may be how they think about it. Yeah, and I, I guess, you know, everything that we've kind of heard, obviously sitting here in July, it's very, very early. But everything we've heard about this upcoming draft is that it's pretty strong in the secondary uh, and it's pretty strong in the edge rusher in terms of defense. So, you know, maybe that was kind of their thinking and waiting on the safety is, hey, we don't really love this safety class. So we're going to wait until next year to grab someone that we love. I guess, you know, if you're you're playing the long game, like, sure, that, that could make some sense. But, yeah. So, all right, guys, any other thoughts on the secondary before we wrap up today's show? Um, I mean, I would just – in short, and Alex already touched on it, I would like to see Chris Harris get back to form because I, I really think he's yeah. got the guys around him to, to finally do that. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I'm excited to see how it all plays out. And, and really, uh, I'm, I'm when we watch the preseason, just the guys that are the depth, because, um, you know, we, we can look at it now and be like, oh, it'll be these four safeties and these six corners. Uh, and then, you know, Brandon Staley will flip it on its head and be like, hey, you know what? Dante Vaughn made the team. He's uh, <laughs> your fifth quarter. You know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be shocked if something like that happens just because, again, it is a new coaching staff and the way that preseason plays out can be completely different. Um, so, you know, if somebody's good on special teams or a coach just notices one specific trait, that could be the difference between them, you know, making the practice squad and making the active roster, right? So um, that's kind of the thing. And and I think it's really hard to predict cornerback traits and safety traits of guys that we've watched, but we haven't watched to the extent that we have Chris Harris and Derwin James and all these guys. Um, so, so that's going to be kind of fun to watch in the preseason coming up in, in exactly one month. Uh, the preseason is now exactly one month away. So excited for that. Yeah, we're excited for that. Excited for training camp in a couple of weeks. And we all know that Tom Telesco would love for Dante Vaughn to make this roster. I think he'll be so, so happy with another Notre Dame uh, <laughs> Golden Domer on the roster since uh, Isaac Rochelle left. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Make sure and check out Arjun's latest video. I just did a breakdown on Drew Tranquil as well. Um, and make sure and hit that subscribe button. The like button is always welcome. And of course, the comments ratings and reviews on the audio platforms as well so that's going to do it for us and we'll see you guys next time i'm going to bed <laughs>
headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.